you. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13. It says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So Paul's been ministering to the Corinthian church through this letter that... Uh, about unity, right? That's the whole purpose of this letter is because we have a church that's divided. They're making a mess. They're arguing with one another. They're doing stuff that's not in order, causing chaos. And Paul, the whole purpose of this slaughter, this slaughter, this letter, which at times felt like a slaughter as he's coming at him, but this letter is to, to preach uniformity, right? He wants to bring them together to make them realize that they are a body, that they're one body, even though there's members of a body though many there's still only one body he wants them to recognize that they are should be in unity but he also wants to emphasize as you're going to see through this next part that unity does not mean uniformity that was a good time to say amen right there unity does not equal uniformity that doesn't mean that we're all the same even though we are united in one body and Paul is going to go on in the next version you're going to see as he's talking about the body of Christ. He's using that to illustrate something very, uh, using something that we all understand, right? How many of you guys have a body? Everybody has a body, right? So we can get this. We can get it. When we compare the, 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 the church to a body, we understand what that means because we all have one. And I love that the Bible is like that. So many people think that the Bible is complex or it's super hard to understand. But God wrote the Bible so that I could understand it, which is good for you, because if I can understand it, that means you guys can probably understand it. But he goes on to say that uh, we were all baptized, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink one spirit. You see, the Greek, Greek word baptize, and I've told some of you guys this before, you've heard it, but the Greek word baptize um, means to dip or to sink. It's to whelm in something. So the idea was is that when we are saved, we are dipped or we are submerged into the body. We become one with it. And the analogy that I like to think about is, is tie-dye. When I was a kid, we used to tie-dye shirts. Now, some of you guys, younger ones, you don't know what it really means to tie-dye. They do it dumb nowadays. It's all easy. You just take and roll it up and you squirt it with a squirt bottle. That's not how we did it when I was a kid. We got a big old thing of water. We filled it up with dye. And you put the rubber bands around the shirt and you put the whole shirt in there. And when you're done, you're covered in dye up to like your elbows for like six months because the stuff doesn't come off. But you're then you're mixing it around. But that was the idea. You take this shirt and you put it in the vat of, of dye and it gets fully submerged. Now, how many of you have, made, that have done tie dye? I was like, okay, I get one shot of that because as soon as it's washed, it's all going to be gone. It's going to be back to a white shirt. That's not how dyeing works, right? When you are submerged, when you submerge the t-shirt into the vat of dye, it becomes one with it permanently. It fuses with it permanently, and the dye and the shirt become one. And that's what happens when we are baptized into one body. We're submerged or whelmed into one body as we become one with that body. Even though we're unique, we are still part of that body. And it doesn't matter where you came from or what you were before. Paul here says Jews or Greeks, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what side of town that you live on. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. None of those things matter. When you are submerged into the body of Christ, you become one with it. Even though you are not uniform, 
you are united with it. Amen? And he says that we're part of that same body because we have the same spirit living inside of us. We are all made to drink of one spirit. And I don't know about you guys, but that should make you excited because did you know that the spirit that lives inside of you is the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead? That's a powerful spirit that's living inside of you. The same spirit that fills us and works through us in his gifts. It's the same spirit that when, when somebody's operating in the gift of healing, they lay hands on somebody and they, they couldn't see before, but then they can see or they couldn't walk and now they can walk. That spirit lives in each and every single one of you. It's the Holy Spirit who's powerfully and mightily working inside of us. And as such, we are members of one body. Not multiple bodies, one body. Now the truth is, is that we have multiple local bodies, but we're all part of one global church, even though sometimes we don't act like it, right? Because we should understand that we're part of one global body. And as members of this body, we have one purpose. What is the purpose of your body? It's to do whatever your head tells it to, right? If our bodies are functioning correctly, we have full control over our faculties, and our bodies do what our head tells it to do. Well, it's no different for the church. We're in the body of the church, and we have one goal, and that's to do the will of the head, who is Jesus Christ. And that is to further his kingdom, to build his church, and to win people to the Lord. Because, right, it's his will that none should perish. That is our purpose as the body coming together as one. And in verse 14, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So it's true, we just talked about, right? We're submerged into one body, it's a single body. We are united into one body, but we are not all the same and what paul is actually the point that he's trying to make here is that's okay there's actually some reasoning behind that if we were all the same it would be a funny looking body i mean could you imagine if you were just all ears i mean nobody would date you you probably wouldn't be invited to barbecues you would just look silly but the, the human body is actually complex. The human body is super complex. And any of you guys that are in the, the medical field will be able to tell you that. But there's all kinds of parts, right? And there's, this is all stuff we've all learned in school, which is why this analogy works well. But right, So in our body, what do we have? We have the circulatory system, right? The heart and the chambers and the arteries and the veins. Have you guys ever been to the, uh, that human body uh, natural history show where they actually have the, the cadavers that have been put on for display and they actually like you if you've ever seen what that actually looks like when you have the heart and the whole vein it's super complex and you're like how does that even fit and work inside of my body and the the nervous system is the same way with all the nerves we're so incredibly complex with our different parts we have our digestive system we have the external systems right that we all know about right hair skin nails all that kind of stuff we have the the sensory structure right we can see we can touch we can feel and we have, you know, that there's all kind. I got, a, I got them all written down here. Lymphatic system, the muscular system. You know that there is 640, typically 640 muscles in your body, 320 pairs of muscles. 
That's crazy. That that's, that, but they all serve a, a purpose. And if anybody that's ever pulled a muscle, just one muscle, you know that that one muscle serves a purpose. Amen? We've got the skeletal system. There's 206 bones in a human adult. There's actually more in kids. But adults have 206 bones. We have the nervous system, the reproductive system, the respiratory system, your urinary system, the vestibular system, which is just a weird name for your ear hole and all the stuff that works in there, vestibular, that's how you hear. And uh, every single part of your body, it functions together to make your body work correctly, amen? Right, if you didn't have any one of those things working correctly, you know it. And it causes problems, it causes chaos in your body. And even though they're completely different and they don't look the same, your eye looks different than your ear, which looks different than your kidney, they all form a purpose, and when you're missing one, it begins to cause problems in the body. And we can see how absurd what, what this, this, we all understand how absurd what Paul's saying is. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. None of us would ever say that, no, the eye is not really part of your body, that's something else. It's all, those things are a part of our body, and it's absurd to say things like that. But that's kind of what's happening in the Corinthian church, Right? There, for some reason, that what they were saying to themselves is, if I want to be a functional member of the body, I have to get up on when we get together and speak in tongues to the whole church. And they, they were all getting together. They figured that that was what made them important. That was what lifted them up. And, and maybe because it was the most exotic seeming of the gifts. Because for us, we're like, speaking in tongues sounds kind of weird, even though it's scriptural. Back then, they were like, this is cool. Let's go with it. Let's all do it. And they were trying to, to look good and look spiritual in front of everybody else. And they were figuring that maybe if I don't address the entire church in tongues, that I'm somehow less, that I'm somehow not as valuable, that I'm somehow not worth as much. And Paul's like, that's ridiculous. Just because you don't operate in every single area, it doesn't make you any less valuable. You have your part and your purpose to play. And as a result of this thinking, as you might expect, there's just chaos going on in the body. I mean, there, it's just a mess. People are coming into church, and everybody's addressing the church in tongues, and people walking in like, are they all drunk? What are these people doing? So you laugh, but that's actually what the scripture says. If we're all speaking in tongues, addressing the church, people will come in and think, are they drunk? It's just chaos in the body when we, don't, when we, when we begin to distort and when we begin to misuse and misshape what God has planned for his, his church. Amen. And the next scripture here, verse 17, says, If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Church, I want you to know that diversity is important. If everything is the same, it would just be weird. Like you said, if you just had, I mean, one of the, the things that people use for like horror creatures in scary movies would be a creature just full of eyes. Because that's weird, and it wouldn't work right. And if we were all the same thing, if we were all the same thing in the body, body, then that means that there would be parts of the body that would be being neglected. And that's what Paul is, is saying here. Every person in the body, every part, needs to, to function as it's supposed to so the body can reach its full potential. 
Amen? And, and listen, we all know that. You ever seen somebody that doesn't do leg day? Right? They come out and they're all buff on top, but you, sk- you, you scan the camera down and they got these little chicken legs. <laughs> they skipped leg day. They weren't, every part of their body was not functioning, so they're just unbalanced and they're, 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 they're weird and they, they, they don't have the balance that they're supposed to have. Their body is not functioning as God designed it to function. Amen? And the same is true with the church. We each have a role to play. We each need to have a part. And as a church, we can't skip leg day. Amen? We all need to be here. And the thing about these different roles, too, is they're not, I don't believe that they're static either. We're all going to function in different roles throughout our, our walks in our, in, our, in, our, in, the, in our walks with God and in our, our service in the church. We're all going to operate in different areas as the Holy Spirit sees fit for us. And this doesn't even just go for the gifts, but it goes for serving in the church as well. And believe me, I can tell you, I've served in every position in a church. I've been up here at front teaching and ministering, and I've also cleaned the toilets. I've also swept the floor. I've also been here during construction. We've we've done every part of that. And the truth is, in your walk with God, you're going to fulfill different roles in the body. And it's necessary so that the body can function the way God intended it to. And that's the reason there is diversity in the body is so it can be effective. And something that we have to really take to heart and in our head is, is when we begin to judge different things in the body as having lesser or greater impact, we have to, who are we to say those kind of things when it's God that arranged the members in the body, body, each one of them as he chose? Who are we to say, God, you totally messed that one up? Amen. That's kind of egotistical if you think about it. And then the verse 21, Paul says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. There is no function of the body that could function on its own without the rest of the body. It would just die. You even think about that when we do organ transplant. It's only got a, a short window outside of the body before it's dead. The, the parts of the body are designed to work together. And when they function alone, they're not able to be effective. It's one of the reasons why we believe church is so important. You need to be connected with a body so that you can fulfill your purpose in the church. God is not in the habit of creating lone rangers in the church. We're to work together. And when we are outside of the body, we begin to wither and die. So recently, if you guys have seen, I've I've been uh, taking it to heart. I want to make videos that are able to minister to people. And I've been putting them on Facebook. And and i got a few different types of videos that I want to do. I want to answer, like, just questions that people might have. So the first one that I did recently, and if you haven't uh, read it, you can jump on, or seen it, you can jump on Facebook and check it out, but is which Bible translation is the best go ahead and watch it the answer that i put in there is not the one you're thinking but it's it's that that's the thing is is i want to answer questions like that can god uh make a rock that's so big that he can't lift it up um those kind of questions god really love me can god really forgive me i also want to do um devotional type videos and then i also want to do like short encouraging videos but one of the things that i'm doing on every video and it's actually a lot of extra time to do so is i'm putting in closed captioning or subtitles to each and every video and uh 
the reason I, there's actually many reasons to do so, but one of the, the primary reasons that, that subtitles or closed captions are on is so people that are hearing impaired can still uh, consume the content that you're putting out, that they can still be a part of that. And it just so happens that a couple days ago, I watched a video from a young lady who was deaf. And she was talking about how so much of the content that people put out there, she can enjoy. She's excluded because people don't take the time to add these simple things to make it so they can be a part of it. And as I'm watching this, I began to realize that, that it is so true that our bodies are intended to function with every part functioning. Because if one part doesn't, for instance, this woman with her, her hearing, she couldn't hear, there, there were things that had to be changed, that had to be adjusted because her body wasn't functioning as God intended it to. Now, I thank God that, that in, our, in, in, in first world countries, we have all these technologies to make it where people who are disabled or have their bodies impacted in some way, where they can still operate in their lives, for the most part, like people that are fully able-bodied. But it's not like that everywhere. And if you really want to see the full effect of what a, a, a piece of your body not functioning is go look in some third world countries. About two weeks ago, I saw a video of, uh, it's actually a, a school that's being put together in Africa. But in Africa, if somebody is born deaf, they don't have closed captionings. They don't have teachers that can teach them sign language or teach them Braille. They don't have any of those resources. There's this young man, he's 14 years old, and uh, he's never spoken to anybody his entire life. He can't hear Nobody can communicate with him. His, his dad basically communicates with him by very short gestures, which is just enough to say, you know, come in and eat, go, go work in the garden. These, these short gestures to him. And that's his, the, the soul of his existence. So he goes out, he works in the garden, and then he goes and sits back in his room because he can't communicate with anybody. He can't have a relationship with anybody. And I begin to see what really happens when the part of the body that doesn't function as it's supposed to, the kind of impact that it can really have on a person. And it's no different for the church. When we have uh, pieces that are missing or pieces that aren't functioning the way they're supposed to, it can cause problems, it can cause chaos, and it can really make the body of Christ dysfunctional when God intended it to be fully functional. Amen? Now, I thank God for this story that I read for that young man. They actually were, uh, there was a, an older gentleman who was deaf and he was African and he did speak sign language. Somebody finally came and taught him how to do it. So he's putting together a school for a lot of these kids. And obviously they're not going to reach all of them, but at least some of them will be able to have the ability to communicate to somebody because we're designed to be social people. Can you imagine a life where you could never communicate with anybody? It, it would be awful. But that's the reality is, is that without the pieces of our body functioning correctly, there's problems. And I want you to know that, that in the church, if we have the same situation, we cannot, I don't mean probably not, we cannot function as God intends us to. Now, in a lot of ways, people step up and slide into roles they weren't supposed to. There are many people in the church doing stuff that God never intended them to do because the person that was supposed to do them just said no. And we're limiting our effect. Now, what if everybody just said yes? Think of what the body of Christ would look like, amen? In verse 22 through 25, he says, On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable 
and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there, be, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Do you know that there are tons of jobs in this world that just really aren't highly sought after? They're not thought of very highly. You guys, anybody ever seen Dirty Jobs? The show Dirty Jobs? That whole show is based on putting forward jobs that nobody wants. They're dirty, they're gross, they're smelly. You know, they're not the kind of jobs where you can write home to mom and like, mom, guess what I'm doing now? You know, th- these are the kind of jobs that nobody wants to admit doing. But the, 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 actually the premise of Dirty Jobs is to showcase these, member, these jobs that might require greater modesty and bestow a greater honor upon them because they are necessary, particularly to the, to the United States to continue to function as it's supposed to. You go to a country where they don't have a working sanitation system and the streets are littered with garbage and they smell and sickness and disease run rampant. You know, the garbage man isn't really thought of very highly. Nobody grows up with aspirations to run a garbage truck. But I tell you what, the people that do, they deserve our respect and they deserve to be honored because they do a job that nobody else wants to do and if they don't show up, you'll know it. Or what about the guy who, who cleans the porty potties, right? That empties the porta potties? Nobody wants to do that job, right? But you'll know if that person didn't do that job. You ever go to a place, especially, you know, Joseph, you work in a, for construction. You know, they, you'll know if they don't show up. And we should honor those people. They're doing stuff that nobody wants to do. And they may not be as presentable, but they deserve more honor than even the people that are presentable because they're doing the stuff that needs to be done that nobody wants to do. Last week, we saw that there actually are multiple gifts in the church as well. And there's a few that you actually don't hear about all that often because they're not as spectacular as some of the greater gifts, right? You know, when, when somebody is speaking prophetically, I mean, everybody, I mean, that, that'd be cool, man, to be able to impart stuff into people's lives. Sometimes when people speak prophetically, God gives them a vision of, of the future, and people are like, man, I want to do that. Or, or operating in healing, man, that'd be a cool gift to have if you had a healing ministry. And can you imagine living in, uh, having God work through you in such a way that, that on a regular basis you saw people that couldn't walk, stand up and walk, or their, their, their eyes that were clouded over began to see, or cancer began to die in, their, in, in, in people's bodies when you laid hands on them and they become complete, completely whole. Those are the cool, that's the cool gifts, right? Everybody wants to be a part of what looks good. But there's a lot of gifts that you don't hear about too much. They're not as spectacular. They're not as visible. Like the gifts of, gift of helps. Paul's going to talk about that here shortly. The gift of helps. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Those are the people that are willing to come to church and do whatever it takes, no matter what you ask them. They never complain. You need them to, to clean the toilets, they're on it. You need them to sweep the front, they're on it. You need them to clean gum out of the floor, they're on it. They're the ones that will do whatever it takes to serve in the body of Christ. God gives them a supernatural ability to serve ability to serve greater than than many other people 
we'll go, but they're not. Nobody ever talks about them. Nobody ever lifts them up. Nobody ever, you know, comes and pats them on the back. That was a great job cleaning up the vomit the other day. You did so good. You don't hear that, right? Well, what about the, the gift of administration? This is one that, that you guys all take part of, that you go, all feel, but nobody ever really gets a thank you for it. My wife is gifted in this area. We have so many events here that Michelle will put stuff together. She coordinates with people. She gets things working. And all you guys come in and see a good time and you have no idea the amount of pressure and stress and all that stuff that she goes through to make sure that this stuff comes off without a hitch. That's not a very visible or a spectacular gift. But God says that we should honor those. You know, honor the people that are coming in. You know, Norma has taken over uh, for the most part for George, but George and Anna have cleaned this church for for years and now norma stepping up and handling that we should be thanking them every single day that they're willing to come in here and do that to, because that is we should bestow on them greater honor for doing those things and the next time we have a great event find out who organized it tell them thank you because it's a lot of work and the truth is the people that do these things that organize the events or clean the toilets or do any of those things they're no less valuable and actually in many ways they're more valuable than those who are up here putting on the events that are up there in front, you know, the ones that, that, that they do have the jobs they can, they can write home to mom about and say, look, look at what I'm doing. Look how God's using me. You know, nobody wants to say, look how God's using me. He's using me to take out the dumpsters. But the truth is that's required and it's honorable. And I'm so thankful for those who operate in those positions. Another one is, is uh, uh, the gift of generosity or a contribution. And it's talking about people who supernaturally give to the church. The thing about giving is if you're doing it correctly, you don't tell anybody about it. You know, the, the, the Scripture says your right hand shouldn't know what your left hand is doing when it comes to giving. So that's a, a thankless job as well because only the people know what's going on. And there are people that have given super generously that allow us to do the things that we're able to do and you guys don't know about it at all. But they're not any less valuable because they don't have a visible job to do, a visible thing. We should give greater honor to these positions that are require greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. They deserve that honor. They deserve to be, to be thanked. Amen? And the reality is, is that when we operate as one, the less presentable parts and the more presentable parts than the body works together as God has intended it to. And the reason why that God even does that, the reason why we should honor the less presentable parts more than the, than the, the less or more than the more presentable is because there should be a unity in the body. Like, yeah, you got the sucky job, but you know what? You are awesome. We're going to lift you up and we're going to honor you for what you're doing. And the people that get up in front and do what they're doing, they don't need as much because kind of being up in front is part of the reward, amen? But the reality is, is that when we operate as one, no matter what position that we're filling, no matter what we're doing, we succeed as one, amen? If we go on to the next slide here, in verse 26, it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We should lift one another up. We should encourage one another. 
When one person has a success, the whole body should rejoice. And if one person is hurting, the whole body should be hurting alongside with them. And this is completely countercultural to what we're taught as we live in the world today. Right? Because we're at our works and, 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 and Bobby gets the promotion and we just get ticked off because that promotion should have been ours instead of rejoicing with them? Or what about if you've been praying and, and hoping to have a child for 10 years and the person right around that just joined the church and they didn't, they're not even trying and now that they're pregnant and they're excited, they just got married, are you excited for them or are you upset because they got pregnant and you've been asking God for years and nothing has happened to you? That's the way we're trained to act in the world is to think about ourselves. But in the body of Christ, it shouldn't be that way. We should be rejoicing when somebody gets pregnant we just rejoice with them even if we're hoping for the same thing and if somebody gets fired we don't go better you than me we we come alongside them and we support them and we encourage them because if one member suffers then all suffer together but if one is honored we should all be honored together amen in verse 27 he says now you are the body of christ and individually members of it. Now, as he's going on, Paul speaking here, one, I want you to know he's not just referring to the Corinthian church. This refers to, to all of us, every member of the body of Christ. When you get born again, you join the body of Christ, and you become part of the church global, Jesus' church. Amen? And you have a plan and a purpose designed by God for his church and for his kingdom. You are not a mistake. You're not here. If you're here in this church today, God has a plan and purpose for you in this church. And I want you to know it's not just to warm a seat on Sunday morning. God has a plan for you to operate and be effective in this church. And there's not a single person in this room that is not important. And it doesn't matter. You can say, but Pastor Wayne, I'm not qualified. You don't even know the stuff I did. You don't even know the stuff I did this morning before I came to church. I'm not qualified to be working in the church. Or you don't know the skills that I have. How can I be effective when, when I, there's nothing that I'm good at? You might have these excuses in your mind, but the truth is, is there's not a single person in this room that is not valuable and that God hasn't, doesn't have a plan and purpose for, to, for the furthering of his kingdom and his church. Amen? The truth is you are capable, not because of yourself, but because of Christ inside of you. And more than that, not only are you capable, but he designed you for that purpose. And you have gifts that God intends to give you to benefit the body. They're not to lift yourself up. They're not so you can say, look how God is using me, but instead to, to make an impact in the body of Christ. You have gifts that God intends for you to use and be effective in his church. And the truth is, your participation is important because when we choose not to, the body of Christ begins to, to function differently than God intended it to. And I don't know about you guys, but for me personally, I never want it to be said that somebody else had to do the thing that God called me to do. Amen? And we'll go ahead and finish up on this last uh, verse here. Just kidding, not the last one. Verse 28 says, And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles and gifts of healing, helping. That's that gifts of helps we talked about, administrating in various kind of tongues. So let's recap something real quick. First, Paul says that we are united, right? So we're united. We need to act united. However, he also instructs us that we're not uniform. Every, has a, every person has a part. Every person is different. 
and each individual part is to be used to the good of the united body. Amen? Now, Paul is going to quickly go through some different offices and gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to, so we're not here too late. I'm going to slam through them really fast. But the first one is apostle. And the apostles, the word apostle just means one who is sent out. Now, there's the, the apostles of the, the New Testament. That's the, the, the ones that, uh, uh, like, like Paul and the, the 12 disciples, those were apostles. They worked with Jesus. They spoke to Jesus, and they went out. But there's also an a, a apostolic anointing that happens today, and those are people who are being sent out to do a new work. The early apostles were sent out to build the church, and, and people that operate in an apostolic anointing today are still out to build the church, right? So church planters would be an example of somebody stepping out in, in an apostolic anointing. Then he goes on to mention prophets. And we remember last week he said prophets, uh, and the New Testament prophets aren't the same as Old Testament prophets. But these are people that he's giving special gifts to minister God's message to his people. And sometimes they, they do. They foretell future events. You see in the book of Acts 21.11, he says, In coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands, and thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and delivers him into the hands of the Gentiles. That's an example of someone offering, uh, operating in a prophetic gift to saw what was going to happen to Paul if he went to Jerusalem. The irony is he didn't, it wasn't told that to stop Paul. That was actually the plan. Amen? But primarily the prophets in the New Testament, they exhort, they encourage, and they strengthen God's people. That's their purpose, is to build up the church. Acts 15.32 says, And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. That's what he's talking about there with prophets. And then he says, third, teachers. Now teachers, uh, what it, so when we look at prophets and apostles, they were serving the church global, but teachers probably search, served in the local church. And these were the people that, that uh, uh, if you think about it, they didn't have a Bible back then. They had a collection of letters, and they all didn't know this stuff. So they had somebody that would teach them this stuff and work with them. And we actually have many people that operate in that office, that role in the church here. Um, Joseph teaches on Wednesday nights. Obviously, I teach on Sunday mornings. Pastor Michelle che- teaches. Kathy teaches. Viola. We have many people that teach in the church. And then he goes on to say, then there's miracles, right? We talked about the uh, uh, the the miracles and healings or the gifts we spoke about last week, and, and most people at least have heard of those. Um, then he goes on to the gift of helps. And the gift of helps are, like I said, these are the people that are, that are just, they're always there. These are the people that you can turn to, and in the church, they're always there, willing to serve, willing to help. And then he goes on to the gift of administrating. These are people who are supernaturally gifted at organizing and getting people to work together. And then he speaks of various kinds of tongues. So we talked about last week, there are multiple types of tongues, right? There are the private devotional tongues, which everybody has the right and to, to operate in that spiritual gift. Then there is public tongues where you're addressing the entire church. And Paul's going to see later that if you're going to address the church in tongues, you need to have an interpreter. And then there are, uh, like in the, in the book of Acts, the day of Pentecost, where they were speaking in tongues, but the people were hearing them in their own language. And there's multiple different types of tongues that are described in the Bible. And this particular gift, particularly addressing the church in tongues, was causing the Corinthians all kinds of trouble. 
And that's where there's just having chaos come up because everybody wanted to speak in tongues instead of fulfilling what God intended them to fulfill. And one thing to note about this is, is probably the way that this list is ordered. Um, Paul's kind of saying that this gift that you guys are all so concerned about is kind of minor compared to the other ones. You should probably focus on the other ones. And I think this makes sense too because if you think about it, devotional tongues only edifies the one who's speaking them because they're directly to God. And tongues that address the church, they require an interpreter. So they're even more hard to operate in because you need two gifts working together. And then the last one, 1 Corinthians 12, 29 through 31 says, all, Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts and I will show you a still more excellent way. I'm going to give you a, a, a quick cheat here. The answer to all these questions is no. No, they're not all prophets. No, they're not apostles. No, they're not all teachers. They all don't work miracles because we are all different, church. We all have different roles to fulfill. God will use us in different ways. But all the parts, all the roles, they come together for the benefit of the body. But Paul says, you know what, though? You should desire the higher gifts. One, this means that you can and probably should operate in more than one gift of the Spirit. Paul says, pray for him. Desire. It's a good thing to desire to work in different gifts of the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will work. Just be open for the Holy Spirit to use you, and he'll use you with whatever need needs to be fulfilled at that time because it's not about you, right? It's about the church, and when the body needs, what the body needs will influence the timing of what gift that you operate in. And I think the thing we just need to remember that when we desire these gifts, it's not about lifting ourselves up. It's about lifting the church up. Amen. If you're desiring a gift so you can feel more spiritual, you, you got it wrong. You're missing the point. The point is to build and grow and help his church. So church, I just want to encourage you. Let's, let's desire to operate in these gifts. Let's not be afraid of them. Let's not be uh, standoffish because God wants to work in the supernatural in this church in and through you and make an impact. Let's desire these gifts and let's operate in them. Let's say yes as the Holy Spirit leads us. Amen? Amen? You know what that means is that means that you have to actually be sensitive in listening to His voice. And say yes. When you hear that, that little thing in the back of your head where God's saying, you know, someone here has, has something going on and I want you to, to, to pray for them or give them an encouraging word and you, you don't argue with God because you might be embarrassed. That means stepping up and saying yes. And we're always going to do it in an appropriate way. We're going to do it uh, without causing chaos in the body. But we do want to let God work through us. Amen? Let's operate as a fully functioning body. Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads.